Hey, today we're kicking off a new message series called When Heaven Meets Earth. And for the next few weeks, we're going to explore how the story of Christmas can impact any story in any season. And to do that, we're going to be looking at the Christmas story through the lens of what's called the Gospel of Matthew. It's one of the biographies of Jesus that you find in the New Testament of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at this story that Matthew tells about those who experienced heaven meeting earth at that first Christmas. And one of the questions that we're going to be wrestling with throughout this series is this, what can we learn from those who experienced the arrival of Jesus firsthand that will help us, not just in this season, but every season we find ourselves in? So that's where we're going over the next few weeks. That's the question and the space that we're going to have it and be wrestling with over the next few weeks, starting today with a woman called Mary. And so if you have a Bible, we are in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. We're going to spend most of our time in and around verse 18, but we're going to start by reading the whole story in these verses to give us the fullest picture and maximum exposure to what was going on in that first Christmas. And so we pick up the story in Matthew, in chapter 1, verse 18, with this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So as we start, I want you to imagine a calm body of water. Not a part of it is disturbed. It's like a mirror. It's clear. It's unsettled. Completely still. Now imagine that you have a rock, a big rock, and you're standing over the water and you let go of the rock and it falls down to the water and it hits the water with a big splash. Water flies everywhere. The stillness of the water is disrupted and displaced and out of the epicenter of where that rock hit, ripples are sent outward, reaching farther and farther, affecting everything that they come into contact with along the way. Can you picture it? Can you see it? the still water, the big splash, the ripples, everything that was, now different. Well, as the Jesus story begins in Matthew, we are at a rock hitting the water kind of moment, a moment where everything that was is now different with the news that God is with us. It's a staggering start to the story, and Matthew helps us to understand what is going on, helps us understand what this news is all about by quoting a prophet named Isaiah in verse 23. He says again, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. This is Matthew telling us that the seed of hope that God planted way back at the beginning of the story in Genesis is now starting to become true in Jesus. That all that's happening in and around Mary and Joseph and others is happening to fulfill something that God had said long ago. That in this baby that Mary is carrying in her womb, ancient prophecy is now becoming a present reality. God has come right where we are. This baby is God. That God is here on the earth that he created in the baby named Jesus that Mary is carrying. Now, a few years ago, I was asleep. It was the middle of the night, about 3 a.m., and my phone starts ringing. And, and that's not normal. I usually have my phone off and away from me at nighttime, but for some reason, I had the phone with me. And, and so the phone starts ringing. It breaks into my sleep, and I reach for my phone, and I see it's my brother Peter calling me from, from England, where he's going to school. So because it's Peter, I pick up, and he doesn't even wait for me to, to, to say hello. He's like, Dave, it's Pete. How are you? And I was like, well, I was asleep, but and he doesn't even allow me to, to continue to answer his question. He's just so excited, and he goes, you'll never guess where I am. I'm with the queen. And I was like, the queen? Like, Queen Elizabeth? Like, the queen of England? Like, the famous Queen Elizabeth? Yeah, she's here at Cambridge. I'm looking at her right now. She's so small. She's so tiny. Pretty cool, right? I'm like, yeah, that, that is cool, Pete. How are you? And then he hung up the phone, and the conversation was over. It was the weirdest call I've ever taken, probably. Like, why call? Why wake me up in the middle of the night to tell me all that and then just end the call so abruptly? And I was laying there and I, and I realized that Peter had been in the presence of the queen and he just had to tell me about it. That's why he woke me up in the middle of the night. That's why he was so excited. That's why he just cut the phone off. He had to tell me that he had been in the presence of the queen. And for Matthew, it's the same. Right from the start of the story, he just has to tell us that the king is here. God is with us. Heaven has come to meet earth in Mary's womb. The rock has been dropped and the ripples of this news is starting to go out and the impact is being felt by the people who were on the ground on that first Christmas. God is with us. Story starts in such a striking way, and what's so striking about it is the unbelievable and the unexpected nature of it all, because this is not ordinary and this is not expected. That the God of heaven who lives outside space and time has stepped into it as a human without losing any of his divinity. That God is actually inside Mary's womb as a human baby and that this baby has no human father but came to life supernaturally through the activity of God the Holy Spirit. It's unbelievable and it's unexpected because of all the places that God chooses to show up, he chooses a small, insignificant town called Nazareth to be the place that he launches his rescue mission on earth. And of all the people that God chooses, he chooses a teenage girl of maybe no more than 13 or 14 years old to be the mother of the Messiah, the one who has come to do the rescuing. It's not ordinary. 
It's not expected. In fact, it's miraculous, something that from human eyes seems impossible because we can't explain it rationally or scientifically. At best, it's a myth. And at worst, it's something made up, a fanciful tale that sounds really good, but just isn't true. An author and theologian, J.A. Packer, he says that this might just be the supreme mystery of the message of Jesus. He says that it is here in the thing that happened at the first Christmas that the profoundest and most unfathomable depths of the Christian revelation lie. The Word became flesh. God became man. The divine Son became a Jew. The Almighty appears on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. It's staggering, all right. It's mysterious, it's extraordinary, it's miraculous. And Mary, well, she's got questions, legitimate questions at what is going on, what is being told to her by the angel that we see in another one of the biographies of Jesus called Luke. We see this encounter between Mary and this angel and the, the angel tells Mary, this is what's going to happen. And Mary's first response is she has questions. Her first response is to question what the angel is telling her. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? So Mary asks, How? How will this happen? I've never been with Joseph. I've never been with any man. I don't get it. You're telling me that I'm going to have a baby without a human father without having sex with any single person. How is this going to happen? How? She's got questions, and, and look at what the angel says in response to her question. Verse 35 of Luke chapter 1, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be, to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. For nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary, you want to know how this is going to happen? God will do it because nothing is impossible for this God. He can do all things. Biology can't stop him. Science cannot get in his way. If he wants to create out of nothing, redeem any story, pierce the gap between heaven and earth, part the Red Sea, feed 5,000 people, with five loaves of bread and two fish, if he wants to turn water into wine, if he wants to give sight to the blind, heal with a simple touch, bring the dead back to life, he can do it. And if he wants to put a baby in Mary's womb in a way that bypasses all normal means, well, then he can do that too because this God is not limited by the things that we are, by the things that we think can happen or could happen or should happen or might be possible. This is the God behind Mary's story, and this is Mary's story. Heaven has come to meet earth in her womb. She is being asked to carry, to give birth to, to raise, to love, 
the Savior of the world, Jesus, God with us. Now, okay, you might have questions about this, and if you do, I do not blame you, because like Mary, we are being invited to embrace something extraordinary here, and we might not be able to get there yet. We may have real questions, real doubts about what we are hearing, what we are seeing in the story that Matthew and Luke are telling. And if that's you, that's okay. Your questions are wel welcome here. Ask them. But I also invite you to be open to the answers and where they might lead you because heaven does not always meet earth in the places or the people or the way that we expect. This is the way that God works. This is his way. We see it all throughout the story of the Bible and we see it here that God chooses unlikely places and unlikely people to do unbelievable and unexpected things. He chooses a teenage girl to play a key part in what he's doing in the world. He chooses a person of low position who is easily overlooked. It's not someone that we would expect. Mary is not someone that we would expect God would choose to do this part in his plan. So he chooses a teenage girl, someone of low position, someone that's easily overlooked, and he picks a place that people actually looked down on to be the landing place for his presence on earth. God's ways are not our ways. Heaven doesn't always meet earth in the ways that we expect they will. And for us, we can look back on what is going on for Mary with hindsight, the benefit of hindsight, but for Mary, she's experiencing this in real time. This wasn't on her radar at all. She had a plan, and her plan didn't include this. See, her life was all mapped out. Back in Matthew, he tells us that her plan was get married to Joseph, have a family, and live a quiet village life. Like, that was the story of her life. That was the trajectory of her story from a human perspective. But then God shows up and Mary is invited to embrace what he wants to do in and through her life. And Mary is thrust into this bigger story. And with that comes all kinds of uncertainties and unknowns. Like, what will this look like? How will I do this? What will the road be like? How will I be a parent to God who created heaven and earth and everything within it. Where is all this lead, leading? So many questions with so little clarity. And like any of us would be, Mary was scared. She was afraid at what the angel was telling her and what God was inviting her into. Luke tells us that she was greatly troubled by all this. It scared her because God was asking her to trust him and to follow him into the unknown. And that can be a really challenging place to be. Like the other day, I was, I was on this prayer walk. I like to go for prayer walks around the neighborhood that our church is in, and I was passing one of, this, one of the houses, and I passed this house many, many times, but for some reason on this day, I, I looked to my right and I saw a person lying on the front porch. And they were surrounded by all these couches and chairs and bikes. There's just all this stuff. And I saw this person in the middle of it all, and they weren't moving. And I couldn't tell if they were asleep or if they were dead or what was going on. And so naturally, I was really concerned. And to be honest, I was a little bit afraid of what I might find if I went over there. And so there I was kind of slowly shuffling past, and I didn't do anything. 
I just kept walking. I was afraid of what I might experience if I went over there, and so I just kept on doing my prayer walk. I had things to do. My life was headed in this direction, and I tried to shrug it off, but I, I just couldn't. Like, God wouldn't let me ignore what I had just seen. And as I'm walking along, the story of the Good Samaritan from the Bible kind of flashed across my mind. You know the story where a man is attacked by robbers, he's beaten, they steal all his stuff, and then they leave him on the side of the road uh, bloodied and, and unconscious. And the story goes on and says that a priest and a scribe come by. Now, they're highly respected people in Jesus' day. They're revered for their faith. They're the people that God had special favor on. And so they start walking by this man lying on the side of the road. They both see him, and they both just continue walking on by. They did nothing. They just left him there. And so I'm walking and God brings this story to mind and it was like God saying to me, David, do you want to be like the priest and the scribe? Is that who you want to be? Well, no, I don't. I didn't. So I turned around and I went back to the house and my heart is racing. It's beating because I don't know what I'm going to find when I get there. And so I, I start slowly creeping up to the porch. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to respond. If I wake them up, will they lash out at me because I woke them up? Are they, have they overdosed? Um, are they dead? Are they asleep? I don't know what's going on. My heart's racing and I get right up close to the porch and to where this person is lying and I find out it's a mannequin. It's not a human. It was a, a mannequin that was there, which is so relieving in that moment and kind of funny, but it also taught me something, that there are times when God shows up in our lives and he's gonna ask us to follow him into the unknown. And we have, we'll have no idea what we're gonna find there, what we're gonna experience there. And in those moments, it, it boils down to this, can I trust God when he asks me to follow him into the unknown? Can I respond to the God who is inviting me to embrace what he wants to do in my life? Not just for the big things, but for the moment by moment, everyday little things. And I'll just be honest with you, for me, that's not easy. I like certainty. I like having a plan. I like having the roadmap and the destination. And then even though when I know it's a good thing to do and the right thing to do, it is still hard for me to follow God into the unknown and trust him in that. And my guess is it's the same for you. See, my guess is, is that without even knowing you, that when God shows up in your life and he asks you to trust him in the situation you find himself, yourself in, when he asks you to leave behind what is safe and comfortable for what isn't, when he asks you to do something that will cause you to be misunderstood or even marginalized, when, he, when you say yes to God, when he's asking you to give your yes to him and what he's doing, even when you don't have the full picture of what you're giving your yes to, when he asks you to take that step without knowing where it will lead or to respond to that dream you've carried with you but you're afraid to admit that you have, when you're asked to give a percentage of your income to God and to what he wants to do in the world, even when you don't have a lot of money coming in, when you're asked to stand up for what it is right even though it might cost you, when there's that moment that comes when you have the opportunity to tell someone about the hope that you have with no guarantee for how they will respond. These moments threaten our comfort and the certainty that we crave, and we don't like that very much. We prefer what's safe, what's known, what's comfortable to the unknown and the uncertain. But no matter how much you try to avoid it, you just can't shake it and you can't get around it. To follow Jesus is to embrace the unexpected ways that heaven meets earth. 
And to follow Jesus is to become used to a God who will come and ask us to follow him into the unknown and to trust him. Even though we don't know what we'll find in our experience. See, this is the way of Jesus. It's not always neat and tidy and comfortable. And so if this is the way of Jesus, then the question becomes, how will we respond in those moments when God shows up? How will Mary respond to this moment? Well, Luke tells us that after she asks her question and she gets a response, Mary's response is, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, I'm here to serve you, God. Let me say, let you, what you say be true in my life. And incredibly, Mary follows God into the unknown, embracing the unbelievable and unexpected thing he is doing, even though there is a cost that came with doing that for her. And it's important that we see that cost alongside Mary's courage and faith, which is amazing because we typically focus on her courage and faith to surrender herself to what God is inviting her into and wanting her to do. And we should because it's amazing, but we typically don't spend a lot of time focusing on the cost that came with her yes. Because Mary's yes in this moment was a costly yes. It came with being mum to God. I mean, that couldn't have been easy. Being viewed as an adulterer because she was an unwed virgin who was pregnant. It came with being someone who brought shame and dishonor on her family. It came with being misunderstood, not just while she was pregnant, but for her entire life, there would always be questions, always be suspicions about what actually happened, what really happened. Her yes came with the possibility of her marriage to Joseph falling apart. It came with the fear of her son being killed because there's a king named Herod who just a little bit later doesn't want to give up his throne, doesn't want this king that the, the wise men come and tell him has been born to take his throne. And so he orders that every male baby under the year, two years old, to be killed. It came with fearing for her kid's life and it, and it came with pain. It came with pain. Yes, there is beauty here in what Mary is doing, but Mary is told later in Luke that her soul is going to be pierced by what happens, that she is going to experience deep pain along the way, like having to watch her son die on a Roman cross in a gruesome death. See, what Mary enters into here is going to be costly all the way through her life, yet she was able to embrace what God was doing in this moment and step into it. And the question I have in the face of that is how? How is Mary able to do this? Well, I think there are two things that helped there, and ultimately the two things that helped Mary can also help us too. That can also help in any story and in any season. And so what are they? Well, the first thing is that she encountered who God is. Mary came face to face with the God who makes all things possible and despite all the reasons why it couldn't happen or shouldn't happen or wouldn't happen, despite all the unknowns and the uncertainties and the fears that she was experiencing, it was seeing God for who he is that made all the difference. See, the angel helped her to see that God is someone who is able to do far more than we can imagine, that this God is not limited like we are, like the circumstances that we are in are not obstacles to, in, in his way, but they are opportunities for him to show us that he is the author of the unbelievable and the unexpected. And as Mary encountered this God, her questions got answered and she could trust God in what he was doing in her life. So that's the first thing. 
But still, even though Mary encountered this God, she still had to walk into the unknown. She still had to leave behind what was safe and comfortable for what wasn't. She still had to move ahead with less than the full picture. And so what helped her to take that step? Well, in the last line of the final chapter of Matthew, Jesus says these words. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a promise that no matter what and no matter where, Jesus will be with us. It's a promise there's not a moment that we're going to experience, not a breath that we take, not a storm that we face where Jesus won't be there with us. That there's no room or situation or heartache or valley or mountaintop where we'll ever be truly alone because Jesus will be right there with us in it. It's a promise that we won't be given all the answers and the road won't always be easy, but we won't ever be alone in that moment. Jesus is with us to the very end and he is with us on into forever. And so, yes, God does not give us the full picture and he doesn't guarantee us a trouble-free journey, but he does guarantee us that he will be with us. And this is the story that Matthew is telling. It begins with God coming to be with us at the first Christmas. It ends with Jesus promising to be with us always, no matter what, no matter where. And in the middle of the story, Jesus does everything that needs to be done in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, so that you and I, that anyone could know the God of the universe and experience his presence in us by the Holy Spirit through faith. And in the end, that's what we need most. What we don't need is platitudes, and cliches or good intentions. What we need is Jesus. We need his presence. We need his strength, his real-time rescue and help in the moments of our lives. And this is what God offers us when we put our lives in Jesus's hands. He offers us himself, his presence in any story, in any season. And so, yes, we won't get the full picture, but we do get his presence with us in every season. That promise was there for Mary and it's there for us too. And that makes all the difference, not just at Christmas, but in any story and in any season.